Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. The biggest prison is in your own mind because in Auschwitz I learned how to really develop more my inner resources. And the more I suffered, the stronger I became a survivor and not a victim. And it's temporary and I can survive it. And here I am telling you. Never give up, never, ever, 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 ever listen to your enemies. You just uh, release them, let them go by, just like cars on a highway. Don't let them get to you. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi guys, it's Rach. Welcome to another edition of our Mastermind Series. In these episodes, we gather the wisdom of seven plus years of doing this podcast. We have had some of the most incredible conversations with musicians, actors, creators, writers, teachers, and in this case, doctors. I have been able to sit down and get the wisdom of some incredible physicians over the years. So we thought it would be cool to round them all up. For those of you who are interested in hearing the best of the best in wellness, medical advice, and hormones, because you know I love that conversation, today's episode is for you. You're going to hear from Dr. Drew. We talk about stress and specifically lowering your cortisol levels. You're going to hear from Dr. Taz where we discuss 
how to track your cycle so you can better manage your hormones. Dr. Amen is sharing some wisdom on happiness. How can we be more happy in this life we've got right now? We're going to hear about cycle breaking inside of intergenerational trauma and even how we can shift our mindset to be more positive inside of any environment. Really, really good conversations today from some of our doctor guests. So I hope you dig this episode in our Mastermind series. And if you love it, please consider sharing it with someone you think might love it too. At that point, I was practicing medicine full time. I was getting up at five in the morning. I was struggling to come home by 10 o'clock at night every day. Weekends, eight hour days if, if I was off. If I was on, still the same 14, 16 hour days. Wow. I was going to be a cardiologist. That's really the direction I was going. And I started moonlighting at a psychiatric hospital in 1985 and got very fascinated with all that. I was always kind of interested in neuro, neuroscience was sort of my thing in college. And I got very interested in that and was spending a lot of time in the drug unit, got very good at drug withdrawal and sort of seeing lots of addicts because I was so good at getting people off of, of substances. And I decided not to go down cardiology. I did a chief residency, and then I started teaching, teaching medicine and things for a, few, a while. And I sort of had three careers at once going on. One was a hospital practice, which included critical care. We could do critical care as an internist back then, and I was good at that. That's why I wanted to be a cardiologist. I did outpatient medicine, and I did this. When I, when I finished that by 3 in the afternoon, then I'd go to the psychiatric hospital, and I would do the addiction medicine and the medical care of psychiatric patients. And where and so, was that? energy coming from I, it was it's called work got a name it's called workaholism it was it was uh i think it was a combination kind of an actually really an important question a combination of fear that i would not live up to you know my dad was a doctor and my uncle was a doctor and I oh, okay. so I, there's some some fear there that i wouldn't live up to their you know sort of idea of good but more importantly I was totally bought in to, you remember the way they used to train residents? You know, we, well, these trained residents where you never went home, essentially. Oh, okay. And I bought into that wholeheartedly, which was this is an important job. Nothing is more important. The patient comes before everything. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care how, what else you want to do. You focus on that patient. You're there for them all the time. And that was, that was another part of it. I really felt that the caretaking of medicine wasn't being done that well, and I wanted to be a good caretaker also. So I was just always available. Wow. My pager would go off all night long, every night. Essentially what happens to trauma is that peace, it's mediated through the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. uh, that peace that is traumatized essentially separates from the rest of your brain. Uh, and that piece is no longer integrated or, re or regulated by the, the larger system. It's separate. Because we can't emotionally handle... It, it's literally shattering. It yeah. shatters the upper limits of the child's capacity to regulate, and so it gets kind of pulled or pushed over here. And again, this is a sort of a cartoony version of what, what happens biologically. Uh, and then it becomes, strictly speaking, something that fades in memory. And so the part, the adult will say, I don't think about that anymore. It doesn't bother me. And yet that peace is there. The body is constantly there with this part of the brain expressing itself. Yeah. And it expresses itself through emotions that are seem odd and dysregulated. 
It also through attractions, like I'm a tra- I want my and it needs to get it needs to be heard and get its needs met, and it does it through ways that sort of affect people's mental health essentially. Yeah. And so things like EMDR and those sorts of therapies are about getting that part reintegrated with the rest of the brain so it can be regulated as a whole. Yeah. If you haven't read it yet, uh, No Bad Parts yeah. is incredible. Okay. And I feel like is a... This is all a, the same stuff. It's all the same it's stuff. It's all the same stuff. Now, now yeah. finally, people are, you know, Vessel Bandicoot, because it body keeps the score. And, and you know, since Vessel came, Vessel came around and these, Alan Shore and Stephen Porges, these guys, these are my heroes. You know, these they've been around for 15 or so years, really entering the mainstream. And so most people are now kind of aware of this stuff. And they're at least aware that trauma is a really serious thing and there's treatment for it. Do you feel like that's what grounds you in compassion for every kind of person is that understanding that there is no way, doesn't matter what you're doing, it comes from a place of trauma. If you're a drug addiction, if you're an alcoholic, like that, it, that's always at the root of it? Well, there's a lot packed into that question. So, <laughs> so let me just let me just start about the let me do with the root. Breaking let, into pieces. let me do the root part. Um, if you have bad enough addiction that you need to see me, you had childhood trauma. Yes, yeah. But childhood trauma isn't always at the root of addiction. Right, okay. Absolutely. It's kind of the rocket fuel. And I take care of very, very sick people. And so for sure it's there with, with me. They can be very unpleasant. Trauma survivors. Yeah. And addicts too. But I I I I know they're suffering. I know they're sick, and and it, I get to see them on the other side. Mm. I get to see them when they're recovering, and they're so glorious. You can't even imagine how thrilling it is to see them. And I and I have that hope for everyone because I've learned I can't predict. I can't tell who's going to make who isn't, but I know it's there. And so it gives me immense uh, patience, and, and I know they're suffering. Yeah, is what are things that we can be doing? This isn't that easy. No, it is. I know you got some advice. I do have some simple advice, but it's not things. that easy. Yeah, yeah it's keep not it simple. that it's not that it's going to solve problems, but there are things every single one of us can do practically yes. in our daily lives yes. that will just lower that cortisol right. a little bit. So I just was coaching up a friend of mine today who'd had issues. She was saying, I don't, I don't, I'm so anxious. And we started adding up the score of what was going on right. in her life. It's like, of course There's you're anxious. There's a reason anxious. why you're of anxious. Of course, of course. Yeah. And so it, it is, so let's keep it simple, folks. First thing I ask you, how's your sleep? Well, it's a mess. All right, let's get your sleep right. There's things you can do. There, there's whether it's just not screens at night or quiet or closing the drapes or having structure to your sleep or not drinking caffeine or fluids late at night. Try theanine, try magnesium, try melatonin. These things yep. do work. And yep. they try these things. Find what works for you. Exercise. Yes. Please, everybody. The, Every the, day. I, uh, Peter Atia is now a friend of mine, and he's a longevity specialist. Brilliant dude. And I was talking to him about, you know, come on, what is it? And I go, the diamond. He goes, he just jumped back. He almost jumped on my throat. He goes, vigorous exercise. <laughs> vigorous exercise. That's what, that's what impacts longevity. That's it. It's the one thing we can all point at. And well-being and functionality and everything. So right. vigorous exercise, right. everybody. Not doing that, you're, you're harming yourself. Relationships. Mm. Okay. Uh, that's a dicier piece. Uh, we are in a loneliness epidemic. Uh, relationships, I don't want to be too dogmatic about this. They can include online connection and Zoom and things. That will not be enough. Yes. You need bodies in space. We were talking about some of these mechanisms of healing trauma. We didn't really talk about the healing part. 
but uh, those autonomic systems and bodies mm-hmm. and how we brains heal other brains and body is brain bodies heal other brain bodies. That's what oh, that that's way. a cool term. Yeah, I've never heard it, that before. It, it does. It, brains heal other brains. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. And even if it's just anxiety or or life stress or whatever it is, other lean on other related. Have the feel felt. Be open. Be present. Uh, I really do think it's important for uh, people to have same-sex friends because mm-hmm. you just experience things in a in a more efficient way together. You yeah. just, and you connect in different ways, and somebody that cares about you sitting across from you. Ideally, somebody who sees you. This is something I encourage a lot of people to do, which is don't hang out with somebody that uh, is necessarily like you always hang out with. Somebody who sees you through a new pair of glasses can be very impactful. Right. Somebody who sees you differently, who feeds back at you, but who, who genuinely cares. Though. Right. And so, maybe who knows who you are today. You know, if yeah. you, it's beautiful to have yeah. those friends from 15 Correct. years ago, but someone who comes in at this place in your life and sees this version of you. I, I love that. That That's a great refinement of this. Uh, because I have been a big advocate of somebody, somebody new in your life, somebody you know, different, somebody a little, little just who's not going on the same old maps that yeah. you've always set. Uh, not to diminish the ones that that are well established, keep them, yes. <laughs> keep, keep them around, yes. especially right now. Um, lim- limit your time on screens. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. 
Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas, the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You know, what would I write about that I could spend a year researching and writing and living with? Um, was at the beginning of the pandemic and my dad had passed away and I had to close my Manhattan clinic for a month because of COVID. I'm like, you know, I bet a lot of people are struggling with happiness. And if you can learn to be happy during an incredibly stressful time, it will serve you for the rest of your life. And I actually start with this idea that happiness is a moral obligation. It's actually an ethical issue. And I can guarantee you when I was growing up, that idea was nowhere to be found. But if you think about it, ask anybody who is raised by an unhappy parent or married to an unhappy spouse, whether or not happiness is an ethical issue. And I'm pretty sure they will say yes because of how we influence other people. And then I talk about the lies of happiness. And you've probably experienced some in your own life, like I need more of something, right? When you're an internationally best-selling author, uh, and both of us have been, it's like, well, the, the next one better be as good. And if it's not, you get unhappy because <laughs> there's a part of your brain called the nucleus accumbens that respond to the happiness chemicals like dopamine. And more and more, unfortunately, won't make you happy, that mm -hmm. that's actually a lie that you need to be happy with the journey rather than the outcome of the journey. So more is a lie. Don't worry, be happy is a complete lie. Those are the people who die early from accidents and preventable illnesses because they don't make good decisions. All of our decisions, if you want to be happy, you want to be happy now and later versus now, but not later. And vodka, for example, is now, <laughs> but not later. And brain health is now and later. Or, you know, the marketing messages of happiness, like open happiness is Coca-Cola's slogan. And open happiness is a lie. It's open illness. It's open diabetes, it's open obesity, it's open cancer, 
um, you know, soft drinks have been associated with virtually every bad illness humans can have. Happy meals are, in fact, not happy meals. They're sad meals because they're pro-inflammatory and they're not good for children. Or I need more money to be happy. And uh, there is a correlation with happiness and money up to about $75,000. And then there's no correlation at all. And so more sex, more money, more relationships, those are the lies of happiness. And then I thought, okay, there's been a thousand books written about happiness. What can I add to the discussion? A whole bunch because I actually look at people's brains. And so the core of the book is really around these seven neuroscience secrets of happiness that nobody's talking about. And secret number one is you need to gear your happiness strategies to your brain type. That that happiness is not the same for everyone. That, and I talk about five primary types, balance, spontaneous, persistent, sensitive, and cautious. So the balanced people, they have pretty healthy brains and most anything will make them happy. The spontaneous people, they have sleepy frontal lobes. They need novelty. They need excitement. They, you know, if you're married to a persistent person who really wants to have sex, on Tuesday night and Sunday morning, and we always do Tuesday night, and that'll just make you insane. Um, It's like, you know, we need to bury this, and uh, this is not going to work for me. Spontaneous people probably love scary movies, would jump out of airplanes, love surprises. But the persistent people, um, they hate surprises. They like ritual, they like routine. And if they pick a religion, they'll pick one with ritual. Like anyone who chooses to be Roman Catholic, say, they, like I was born into being Roman Catholic, but if they'd like picked it, they're generally the persistent person because ritual is comforting mm-hmm. for them. Where for the spontaneous people, they're not picking being Lutheran or Catholic. Uh, right. They're going to be Pentecostal um, because they need unpredictability. Are, are there ways to try for people who are listening who had COVID? Are there ways that they are there things they can actively be doing to help combat that? You bet. And so one, it's an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, so I just had this great lunch uh, of all these vegetables and mushrooms and a little bit of chicken. And you want to be on an anti-inflammatory diet, a pro-inflammatory diet. Think pizza or pasta or the standard American diet of burger and fries. Those things will increase inflammation and make you much worse. So think colorful fruits and vegetables. Actually, secret number four is only love foods that love you back. That, you know, both you and I have been in bad relationships and we're not doing it anymore. (laughs) 
But nobody thinks about the relationship you're in with food. And I only want to love food that loves me back. And yes, I'm very fond of Rocky Road ice cream, but it beats me up when I eat it. And so, no, I am too mature to love something that hurts me. And, you know, I want people really thinking about it because diet and happiness go hand in hand. Secret number three is supplement your happiness. So what I have found, so I got COVID, uh, New Year's Eve of all things from my chiropractor. And, you know, I've been saying since the beginning of the pandemic, your best defense against COVID is your immune system. And so my vitamin D levels started at 80. Every day I take a multiple vitamin and fish oil and something I make called neurogreens and smart mushrooms, just strengthening my immune system. But with all the scans I'd seen with COVID, I took extra quercetin and curcumins because they have anti-inflammatory effects. And, you know, and I'm, you know, I think I'm a little bit tireder at night, but other than that, I'm just fine. But, but it's very intentional. And anybody who gets COVID, they have a 20% increased risk of having a new psychiatric disorder within the first five months. And I think it's because of the changes in the brain, you know, and not to mention the isolation, the chronic stress, the political divide, all of that stuff contributes. But it's the physical functioning of your brain. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market, because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Can I ask, because I love something you said earlier that I think is so important, especially for women who are listening, yeah. is this idea that it's not what you express that makes you sick, yeah. it's what you keep in. So can yeah. we talk about that for a minute? Because I think that yes. the older I get, the more I understand that even if I'm not thinking about something, my body is still holding that tension, holding it in my back, holding it in stress. So can you talk to our female listeners about that? That means you're not congruent. You're not clicking well with your body and your mind and your spirit. And that's what you want. You want congruency and listening to your inner voice, listening to your self-dialogue. So when you get up in the morning, you say, um, Rachel, I love you, I honor you, and we're going to decide what kind of a day we're going to have, that you take complete charge of your thinking, feeling, and your behavior. None of the positive thinking does any good unless it's followed with a positive action. See, so that's why I tell people, especially mommies who tell you, Rachel, you're such a beautiful girl, but you're a little fat and a little pimply. So you see, you cancel everything before the but. I say, give me the but, I give you an and. Yes, and furthermore, so that we, we really are able to say anything. But before we do, ask ourselves, is it kind? Is it empowering someone or depleting? And if it's not done, don't say it. I practice it with my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, that they see me as not a yes-but person, but a yes-and person. So I think that is difficult to really do sometimes. Well, and this idea of being able to express yourself how do how do you do that if it's not how you were raised? You know, I was raised in Southern culture, which said that, you know, little girls should be pretty and we should be seen. We should not be heard. We, you know, do what sort of pleases everybody. And I was don't speak until right. the, yeah. Yes. So if you're if that's something that you're struggling with, yeah, how do you how do you overcome it? Well, you know, you ask yourself two very simple questions. What am I doing now? And secondly, is it working? You know, is it getting me where I want to go? And if it's not, you can rewrite your script. You know, it's not the Ten Commandments written in, in, yeah, in the wall. And you can just say and pick and choose the kind of things that would be your, your way of life because we give up our true self early on. We become the responsible one, the funny one, you know, just like Shakespeare put you kind of on a stage and they give you, and you give up your genuine Rachel girl. And you want to reclaim that. I needed to go back to Auschwitz 
to reclaim my innocence and assign the shame and the guilt to the perpetrator because there is no forgiveness without rage. You got to go through the rage. And well, not talk to, to me about talk it. to me about that because I I have some people in my life that I feel like I can't I, I really struggle to truly forgive. I basically only feel the rage. So can you well, tell you me? Know, I, I look at forgiveness in a very different way. I am very biased on one word, freedom. If you don't forgive, you don't have freedom. So give yourself a gift because in the Bible it says you go through the valley of the shadow of death. So if you are in a dark tunnel, you look for the light, you know, that you want your freedom. So it's not that you're such a good person, you forgive for what they did to you. It's not that at all. We don't have godly powers to forgive, but you can forgive you for putting judgment on another person. Well, wait, okay, explain Just that, you explain that to me, because I love that. So well, I, I explain it to you because I speak at churches, so in church I talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. I talk about the poor little Jewish boy who became the prophet, and, and three things I mention. One is, love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, if you don't love you, then why should I love you? Yes. If you, if you don't like to be with you Saturday night, why should I want to be with you? So everything starts, we come to this world alone and we die alone. And so do you live a lifestyle? That means to have really passion and joy and love and purpose in your life. Lots of peace. Lots of peace. So for that, you have to give up perfectionism because we're human. We're fallible, we make mistakes, and accept yourself. You know, it takes courage to be average. It takes courage not to make an A-plus in school all the time. I ask people, when you give up something, you have to replace it with something else. I usually tell people that I began to drive a car when I was 17 in Czechoslovakia, and I had a stick shift, and you may not know such a car. I do. But, but, they, but it starts to talk to you when you have to switch gears. Mm -hmm. But if I switch gears, I have to release the clutch. So you can not change anything unless you replace it with something else. And change is synonymous with growth. Yet we go back and do the same thing. Uh, the other thing I appreciate about Jesus is that he knew how to talk to people on their level. So if I see a child in my city uh, going to the Balboa Park and, and standing at the tree and crying, I'm not going to ask, why do you cry? And I don't get into that, but I get down to the child's level and speak the language of an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old. I don't tell her about cognitive dissonance because I meet that child and speak the language where they are and I teach compassion at listening and empathy, which is different from sympathy. Sympathy means, you know, it's a very different thing, but empathy means I crawl under your skin 
and be there with you and keep that feeling. And the way you do that, it sounds like you're sad about that. Instead of trying to figure it out. Men always want to figure things out. Men want to understand everything. And I go down and I say, sounds like you said about it. So I, I take you to the feeling level because you cannot heal what you don't feel. And there is no healing without grieving. And you cry. You cry and you cry and you cry. And you know, one day, two o'clock in the morning, you say, enough. Mm. And not say, why me? But what now? And the biggest concentration camp is right in your own mind. So think about your thinking. Now, the last thing I'm going to say that when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, I thought that was really brilliantly said not to go back and do the same thing continuously and expecting different results, but you look at the same thing from a different perspective. And that's why the word opportunity to me means a great deal because everything in life is an opportunity to discover our inner resources and look at the same thing from a different perspective. The biggest prison is in your own mind because in Auschwitz I learned how to really develop more my inner resources and the more I suffered, the stronger I became. A survivor and not a victim. Absolutely. And it's temporary and I can survive it. And here I am telling you, never give up, never, ever, 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 ever listen to your enemies. You just uh, release them, let them go by, just like cars on a highway. Don't let them get to you. Don't, don't you know, children are very good. They can push your buttons, mommy, mm -hmm. especially when they start crying, then you give them anything. Yeah. I call it water power, water power. Yeah, and you don't say no to a child ever. Keep wishing with them. I wish I could give you all the cookies before dinner. Oh, I wish I could be a Rockefeller and, and you just keep, keep wishing with them that life could be exactly the way they would like to be. And, and not to say, yes, but we're here. No, yes, but yes, and, and tell me more that, that you would really not get into why, because. Why, because. You can why, ask a why shouldn't we say no? So I'd love to understand See, that. Why? Because why is a past-oriented word a problem-oriented word? Why belongs to because? Why? Because. Well, why this? Why not? Why this? It's better to say what is going on and how we're going to move forward. Because my life is in the present. I live in the present. I never forget the past, for sure. I go forward. So I say two things to think about your thinking and pay attention what you're paying attention to. Try to ignore the bad behavior as much as you can. So if your little girl tells you the F word in the most elegant restaurant, 
you don't have to grab her and, and you know, just uh, try to ignore it. Chances are she's learning what she can get by to get attention. Mm. Children Absolutely. want attention. Bad attention is better than no attention. Bad breath is better than no breath. So I think is you pay attention what you're paying attention to um, and look for something positive and reinforce that. Can you talk us through, just at the most basic level, what is happening in our body during our monthly cycle? Definitely. I mean, first of all, we are all cyclical changing creatures, all of us. So even if you're in menopause and listening to this, you're still cycling. So that's just the nature of being a woman. But basically those cycles are rooted in fluctuating and changing levels of estrogen and progesterone. So in the first half of our cycle, we're seeing estrogen slowly rise, ideally building up that uterine lining, right? And really prepping for ovulation, for conception, for all these different things. If that doesn't happen, then we see estrogen come back down, progesterone kind of like midway through the cycle is starting to go back up and now is prepping your uterus, that uterine lining to shed if you haven't, you know, if you're not pregnant or or that hasn't actually taken place. So it's this dance is actually a really neat dance that the body does. It's like, okay, estrogen's coming up slowly, 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 getting ready to maybe get pregnant. Oh, wait, not pregnant. Okay, we need to go back down. It's time to exit. As it exits, your progesterone almost acts like a detox, so to speak. Let's clean the uterus out. Let's remove everything. Let's get it out of the way. And then we're ready to start all over again. So it's kind of this like very natural reboot system that the body has. And it is tied to our reproductive health and to our fertility. However, it's actually tied to so many other different symptoms, conditions, and functions of the body. And it's really important for women to first identify what their cycle is. Most of us have a 28-day cycle where days one through 14, we're, we're feeling, you know, days one through seven, we feel amazing. Estrogen levels are coming up. They're coming up. They're coming up. But for folks like you that have estrogen dominance, when those levels come up too high and too fast, then you start to feel really bad as you hit that 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And then you go, hopefully you ovulate, and then you have, you know, the decline of the hormones. So a lot of women with imbalanced hormones feel poorly at any of these markers. So some people feel really bad days seven through 10. Some people feel feel really bad days 10 through 14 or 15. Some are feeling really bad on that latter half or just it, the week before, you know. Is that just based on that they're too low in something? They're not high enough? And is that where the, the it's an discomfort comes it's from? It's the imbalance. So depending, and we can go, I don't know how, yeah, go how there. detailed you want to get. Just pretend you but, have this audience um, of millions of women who are so hungry for information. Well, let me then break, let's break down those time markers that I just gave you, and I can tell you exactly what's happening in all of those. But before I jump into that, keep in mind that I'm assuming that everyone's got a 28-day cycle. There are many people that don't, and we need to talk about that too. Some people are on 21-day cycles or 35-day cycles, and there's some issues there too. But ideally, this 28-day cycle is what what the majority of women experience. So let's go back, all right? So you've had your cycle. Day one is the first day of your period, by the way. I mean, a lot of women that don't know how to count. I didn't know either until my doctor told me. He's like, heavy bleed, right? Right. Because I I spot a lot building up, so it's a heavy bleed. It's an actual bleed. You've filled a tampon or a pad or something like that. So that's day one of your cycle. So you start counting there. 
days one through seven, estrogen's on its way up, progesterone's still kind of low, but you usually feel pretty good. Most women feel pretty good around this time. As you move to day seven to 14, estrogen continues to climb. So for our patients that have a lot of issues with estrogen dominance, meaning they have a lot of stored estrogen, estrogen levels can be high or their stored estrogen is high. And that's a differentiation that we may need to go into because I'll get DMs all the time being like, I checked my estradiol. It was fine. How can I have estrogen dominance? But my answer back is, did you check estrone? Did you look at your liver enzymes or all these other things to look at? So anyhow, so estrogen's on its way up. So if you're estrogen dominant, you start to feel bad here. That feeling bad will often peak at ovulation. That's the worst. So we've got a lot of women coming in like days 14, 15, 16 are miserable. They are, they're in the bed, they're unhappy, but they're not having a period. So they're like, what the heck, you know? What are some of those symptoms? Just in case people hear that and they're like, maybe this is what's happening. Definitely. Well, some of them are very textbook. Like they will complain of like ovulatory pain. They can feel pain on one side of the pelvis or the other, a little bit higher even into the upper abdomen or lower abdomen. Other women just don't feel right. They get all of a sudden this huge amount of breast swelling and breast tenderness. They'll start to get a migraine. That's another big one. They'll notice that they bloat, like they don't mm-hmm. have bloating. I always talk about this hormone belly as this inflatable oh my, balloon. That took me so forever to, to conquer. Out. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're bloating. They're like, wait, I'm pregnant. Like, no, 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 you're not pregnant. You know, <laughs> so th- those are some of the different symptoms. And then some of them, you know, going back to mental health, actually, I can't miss that. This is this window is where somebody with severe depression, mental health issues, this is a vulnerable Mm. period for them, right? Because that estrogen surge can trigger bipolar, can trigger a schizophrenic episode, and it can trigger severe, severe depression and anxiety. And we've seen that in practice for sure. Can you talk a little bit about hormone testing and Absolutely. how it helps Love us? To. So it's really important to test your hormones because that's the, because we're fluid and cyclical creatures. You need multiple data points and sets of data points to be able to put your pattern together. That's the only way to really, you know, academically understand. Now, from a symptom standpoint, we can make good guesses that your estrogen dominant or low progesterone or your thyroid's off. But it's a really good idea. And I list out some of those numbers and where I think women should be in the book. But the reason to test is because we're fluid and shifting. Now, every quarter, if that's difficult, at least every six months, right? I think that one is kind of an absolute, no matter how old you are. I think we want all young women, young girls, all the way through, you know, our seniors looking at some of these things and understanding where they stand. Going back to the issue of cost, So it's really about finding the right partner, right? And a lot of my time and energy goes on growing what we're doing in Atlanta, but LabCorp, Quest, have lab panels that run through your insurance that don't need to be costly if your provider orders them, right? Mm -hmm. Secondly, you yourself can go walk up to a LabCorp or Quest and and ask for these lab tests. You can do this, but you are going to have to pay out of pocket for mm-hmm. them, you know. Or you go to one of the saliva kits or the urine kits. Not everybody has to do a Dutch test. I hear that, you know, getting that's thrown. A Dutch it's test. a urine test that's urine and saliva looking at all the different hormone pathways oh, okay. and metabolites. Fabulous information. But it's kind of like a one and done. It's not something that you can keep 
going like every, and when I'm telling you to check them every six months, you probably aren't going to want to spend the money checking it on a Dutch test every six mm-hmm. months. Right. But do you, you like saliva or blood work or both? I like both. Okay. I usually in practice. And again, I have the luxury in practice to do both, right? Like patients will do lab core. I'm putting those orders in patients will do the saliva testing. We'll do both. But the reason I do both is because it's very difficult for me to ask a patient to keep doing that same saliva test over and over and again, when it's usually an out of pocket test, mm. whereas the blood work I can keep doing over and over again, right? So that's why I encourage people to do different types of testing, put the data together, do what they can within their budget. But I think there's so many budgetary options that to say, you know, you can't afford testing. And I see that on my social media a lot too. I can't afford this. I can't afford this. You actually can. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to find a provider to order it for you, or you need to look into the self-pay options and weigh those against the self-pay price of some of the at-home test kits or some of the other things that are out there. I think the good thing about being in practice, kind of the evolution of the field has been 15 years ago, there was not a lot of this at-home testing or tracking or any of this stuff. Today there is. And so your we put so much energy into looking good, right? Like we get our hair cut, we get our nails done, we do all this other stuff. It's kind of the same amount of energy, right? Like track yourself, track your food, track how you feel, you know, track your sleep, track how you feel, track your cycles, track how you feel. And really being able to just spend maybe five or 10 minutes, you know, in the mornings or an hour or two on the weekend really devoted to your health, you know, I don't think is a big ask for an engine that carries you is really your vessel for you to accomplish, you know, whatever you're supposed to do in the world. You would spend more time in your car. You definitely spend more time in your kids. So I think these little moments of just like, okay, what's happening with me? Where do I stand? And got a lot of those tools in there just to help it's just to be a guide. Like, yes, we want the medical system to change. Yes, I want more doctors to be thinking this way. Yes, it's a part of my mission, but there's a time lag on all of that, right? So in the interim, here here are the things you can do. They are actionable. They're not super complex. I think I've struggled in the exam room a little bit with delivering information, seeing the deer in the headlight kind of look like, whoa, this is a lot. This is a lot. And I've been kind of course correcting year to year being like, how do we simplify? How do we simplify? How do we simplify? So it was everything from like, I just need you to do this one thing. I just need you to remember these two words. This is you. That's all I need you to do right now. I've got the rest, you know, as much information as there is out there, you know, by all the things we're doing, we're hoping we're actually bringing that information in a little bit. And one of my hopes is that you'll at least be able to tell me back. You already did. You already kind of passed my test. You at least be able to tell me This is my dominant hormone pattern. Just knowing that you're estrogen dominant, you know how to eat, you know the supplements you need to be taking, right? You know the exercise plan you need to do, you know kind of what sleep does or does not do to that pattern of estrogen dominance. That's not super complex, but the first part, identifying the pattern, was probably the hardest, right? So that's what I think we want everybody listening or watching to, you know, to dial into. Find your pattern. And finding your pattern is first being really intuitive and having a conversation with your body, right? Like have that conversation. Like, where are we? Like, are we good? Are we okay? Like, you know, what's happening? 
And the body will give you the information that you need. And then the next step is starting to check and measure and track things. And then the third step is having a plan and kind of routinely, cyclically putting yourself through that exercise, whether that's a weekly exercise or a monthly exercise or something you do once a quarter, but just dedicate that time to it. You know, we all get busy, all kind of are worried about everybody else and everything else. But there's nothing more heartbreaking to me because I've always said this. I've said this for years now. Like when one of us are not well, the whole ship goes down, yep. right? It's not like, okay, I don't feel good. I'm checking out for a little bit. It's like literally, yes, it's the, literally whole family the whole family lights off, shows yes, over, yes. you know? So it's just like we have a responsibility to do this stuff too. How do we start to break those cycles? I mean, we talked earlier about cycle breaking, but let's say someone's listening to this right now and they're like, oh my gosh, uh, we have this, like we got this. How, what do they do? Well, you know, the first step is already done if they're there, right? Because the first step is really acknowledgement. A lot of the reason why trauma doesn't ever get addressed is because people aren't willing to say that's trauma or we suffered and it falls under that category and- we got to do something about it. Like what you aren't able to see isn't going to get healed because you're you're just casting it to the shadows of the family closet. So when you actually bring it out and say, actually, look, I'm going to put this here on the table, right front and center for everyone to see. This is trauma. We have to heal this. We need to all put in some something so that we can be better as a unit. That's the first step. And that's the most critical step because that's actually going to kind of like take everyone's just going to stop covering their eyes and like pretending like they don't see what's really in front of them. And people are going to be willing to approach the issue. Well, so I have two questions about Mm -hmm. that. One, as an adult child, I think of my parents spanked us uh, like always. They spanked us with belts. They spanked us with spoons. They did things that I would say, if I'm talking about my own kids, that that would be abusive. The things that happened to us. It was very common in the 80s. It was very common in my culture, like Southern, church-minded, like spare the rod, spoil the child. Like all of this stuff was deeply ingrained in our culture, added into the mix of like screaming, never physical with us, but like breaking windows, punching holes in the wall, all of this stuff. I'm never going to get into that conversation with my family, with my parents, because I know the what the response would be, which is like, you're soft, you're a snowflake, people today can't handle it, this is what we did. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, if I'm being honest, if I look at my childhood through the lens of the adult, it wasn't okay. It was trauma. But I don't have a family that's maybe healthy enough to look and heal that trauma with me. Is that a journey we go on by ourselves? Do you talk to your siblings about it? Like, how do you try and hold the truth if there are parts of your family or people in your family who won't acknowledge that truth as well? Yeah, we actually have to grieve the part of us that still desires for them to say the words, I hurt you, I'm sorry. We have to be willing to almost kind of like sit in a funeral in our minds of the people that we had hoped that they could be, the ones that could step up and say, I caused you an enormous amount of pain and trauma. And we have to step into 
the reality of like who we truly have in front of us, which is what I call our true family. Um, and our true family is the people with all the wounds and all the capacities to hurt and, you know, just all of their barriers to being able to actually approach the healing work. That's the true family that's in front of us most times. And that healing process of engaging in a grief journey is actually really helpful in helping us to really transition from the hold that that fantasy has on us of like, we're going to have that parent that's going to step up and say, I'm deeply sorry. And there's also something that I think, you know, can help us along the, the road towards like compassion, kind of leaning in the direction of what you were talking about earlier. Like, you know, some of them just like, we don't even know how they made it through. Yeah. Sometimes they have coping mechanisms that come out in their language and it feels really harsh but that is the only way that they can protect themselves from feeling the immense hurt that's there and from all of it just bubbling to the surface when they don't actually have alternate ways to actually deal with that hurt. So when we don't have another coping mechanism that we can lean on, we're going to go into what's familiar, like pointing the finger or berating yeah. or all the things, because otherwise we would actually get tossed into the black hole of our darkness. And that is in, intolerable for most of us. So what we see on the surface is the parent that says, you're such a softie. But in reality, that's just the parent that doesn't want to go into themselves because that feels entirely too scary. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller, and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know what's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more.